you know, healthcare, HCPs, HCP marketing has sort of weathered the storm and been vital during this, this uh, time, time period. Um, you know, what's sort of the basic state of the industry from the trend MD perspective? So it's a good, good question. So for just a little bit of background before I answer your question um, directly. So we are kind of a solution for um, uh, HCP marketing. So uh, TrendMD is, a, is essentially a network of sites. Um, so uh, scholarly publishers, medical publishers use a recommendations widget uh, on their site. Um, and it's there where we show sponsored links. It's really similar to what people have seen probably on like, New York Times or CNN. It's sponsored content at the bottom of the page. The only difference is we do it for medical and academic audiences uh, particularly. So, you know, for us, which is really interesting, I think the, the overall trend, I would say over the last 10 or 15 years, has been less on uh, spending an input. On, on reps in person and more on digital than when it comes to reaching doctors. And I have a kind of dual perspectives here. I'm actually a, a physician by training. Uh, I'm, I'm a psychiatrist. Um, and I'm also uh, was the former CEO of TrendMD on the marketing side. So I kind of know both ends. And I can say that from doctor's perspective, we, we certainly don't like getting our no uh, knocks on our door from pharma reps. Um, so what's interesting is, is that, that what COVID has actually done is this has accelerated an underlying trend. And the underlying trend is, trend is shifting towards digital. Um, so I think that's why um, HCP marketing has, as you, in your words, weathered the storm. But I would say that it's gone one step further, which is just accelerating an underlying trend. What pandemic-related changes specifically to HCP marketing have you had to deal with? Or what were the challenges that you had to deal with with your publishers earlier? And, and in fact, I've heard you know some had the challenge of we had too much growth. Well, I don't, you know, going, this is echoing your, your first question, and I don't want to say that everything is all rosy, um, but <laughs> the reality is, is that there haven't been many unique challenges, thankfully, for either TrendMD or, from my understanding, many people in the uh, HCP marketing space, both on the advertiser side uh, and on the publisher side. The one thing I would say is that when the pandemic first hit, so when we're talking about those early months, uh, well, technically, they weren't early, but early for the United States was March and April. Um, there was a little bit of a shock. And I think what, what, what happened there was that pharma dollars were actually being shifted to the later quarters because everyone wanted to see, you know, what, what's happening. And, and, and I would say, if anything, the challenge there has been, well, now everything is backloaded. And, and we get that anyways on average years where most of the spend comes in, in Q4. But I would say even more. Now, the challenge with that is that the, the, the number of users, like the supply in the network, so to speak, like the actual audience, they don't follow those rules. So you have more dollars being shifted in a, in a small, small amount of time. So it's potential that many campaigns will go unfilled, for example, like we won't be able to liquidate them, so to speak. We haven't run into that problem. I imagine there are going to be publishers, though, individual publishers, medical publishers that are going to struggle because the dollars are being shifted so much. You know, what is, you know, sort of the fundamental value proposition moving towards 2021, uh, you know, and whether it's changed or not, it doesn't really matter. But what exactly is the, the value proposition, you know, that TrendMD is, is, is putting out there? Great question. So um, this is unrelated to COVID, but um, at, its, at our core, we're a native platform. Uh, so native advertising platform. Um, most, not all, but most HCP digital marketing today tends to be banners. Um, there is, I would say, and the way that I often think about it is that pharma is often behind the consumer world by about a decade, so to speak. So 
native is the thing, obviously, in the consumer space. And I think that native is just starting to take off in the pharma space. And TrendMD is very uniquely positioned because we are not only largest, but we're the largest network itself. So, so there are many offerings out there. So Medscape has, uh, I'm sure, a native advertising uh, offering, Doximity. But the, the challenge with these uh, sites is that they're one site. It's one platform. The difference is with TrendMD, we have our product embedded on thousands of different websites. Um, it's kind of like the, 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 I guess, the different value proposition between putting your ad dollars in Google, which is a disseminated platform, essentially, versus putting it all into Facebook, which is a centralized, um, and you know, there's room in the market for both. Each one's have different value propositions. The context, context matters. For us, Trinity, we reach users, doctors specifically, directly in context when they're actually consuming other medical material, other peer-reviewed material. We recommend you know, clinical trials, for example, directly in context. So that can be very powerful as a way to, again, engage uh, a physician audience because it's so contextually relevant to what they're currently doing. And when you talk about your native platform and, you know, the recommendations and, and you know, growing your readership, what's going to work best in 2021? So I think the growth um, of the company, particularly on the revenue side, is HCP marketing. So one of our biggest drivers of revenue is the ability to target doctors at an NPI number in the United States. So we can target individual uh, physicians, which is quite powerful. Um, from that, you know, that's definitely our biggest growth driver. I would say a second growth driver, you know, historically we've been very focused on kind of the, the pharma marketing departments, like the marketing themselves. But over the last year, year and a half, we've, we've kind of broadened a little bit and, and, we, and we've started dealing with uh, folks from medical affairs, the publications uh, people at, at uh, pharma companies. And there's actually a really natural fit there because, you know, for, for medical affairs teams, they're historically, they've been very focused on, okay, where do we get our paper published such that the most you know, maximum number of targeted HCPs are going to see this and read it. That was kind of like medical affairs 1.0. My view is medical affairs 2.0 and 3.0. Well, there was open access and now medical affairs has taken up on open access and medical, and medical affairs 3.0 is hopefully using TrendMD as a means to disseminate clinical content uh, to physicians. So those are the two growth areas I would say for uh, 2021 and beyond. You know, and working with your partners, you know, have they switched messaging? Have they, you know, you talk about banners being still prolific and, and you know, pharmaceutical industry still yep. uh, catching up to the ball game on advanced marketing techniques. Have the partners you've worked with, have you noticed a, a, a switch in, in exactly what their messages are or, or the frequency that they're changing messages or the depth? Is it a two, three, four, five part message or is it still same, same old, same old? I would say that there are is a lot of variability in the market. <laughs> so without naming any names, of course, but there's a lot of variability from pharma company to pharma company, from agency to agency. So some are going to be very driven by the data they get from campaigns, and they're going to be very nimble, and they're going to make changes based on that. For example, there are some agencies that literally request that we swap out our MPI list, so we target new doctors on their list, you know, every every week. Some even request less than uh, on a weekly uh, time frame. And then there are other uh, pharma companies that are less driven by that and are more, they plan on more of a quarterly basis. So I, I think there's variability. And I also think there's pros and cons to the strategy. Um, so it doesn't directly answer your, answer, your, your question, but I would say it's close. <laughs> I would say there's a lot of variability. One thing I, I do remember was that, um, again, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a little bit of caution from some pharma companies in promoting certain drugs. 
I don't even remember which ones, but I probably related to respiratory infections. But that was early on. There hasn't been a shift, especially now. I, I, I don't know if it's business as usual, per se, because I think the spend has really increased. But I don't know if the messaging itself to physicians from pharma companies has changed, not at least that we've seen. Um, you know, both the, the websites that they're offering uh, and the headlines that they're running in the network are you would know that it's COVID. I, I don't think there's been a change. And, and I'm, I'm not sure what the change would look like, even if there were a change. You know, you talked a little bit about, you know, switching out the, the lists, mm-hmm. you know, and, and targeting new NPIs. You know, that's a really popular topic right now amongst, you know, medical media sales teams. You know, they're being asked for uber targeted, you know, lists um, and matching. Um, can you just expand upon that sure. a little bit? Yeah, so I have some I have some opinions on that. Actually, not as a not affiliated with Trinity, but actually as a doctor. And I can say I'll say a couple things on this. Um, so first of all, the, what we've got from some what we received from some pharma companies is like the request to uh, swap out the list. You know, let's say let's use it as an example on a weekly basis. So the idea is is that let's say you reach these a thousand physicians, um, they click on your links, and you know you don't want to reach them again, so you swap out a new list. The challenge with that is that, you know, what we don't know is how many times does a physician need to engage with messaging in order to actually be educated on the topic, right? So, you know, if, if a physician goes once to, to, to a headline, that doesn't mean they're like an expert and that doesn't mean it's done. So what, what, I, what I would say about the whole swapping out lists every week, it could end up being, although it seems really like intuitively, it may seem, oh, this sounds great. Why do we want to hit the same position, you know, multiple times in a month? It may not work that way. What we don't know is how many times you need to reach a physician, how many times you need to drive a physician to various pieces of content to educate them or to change their minds about their prescribing. Um, I would say as a physician, there's no way that I'm going to alter my prescription, my, my prescribing patterns if I go click on one link. I'm never going to do that, right? So, so it, that's not really how physicians make decisions. Um, so, I, my actually, when, 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 what I've been doing actually often is cautioning and saying, you know, if you want to swap with the list, how are we measuring if if these tactics are effective? Um, how do you know that the physician you're getting the physician to do what you want them to do? Yeah, and it's it's interesting. It's kind of the Geico. I, I always go back to the Geico marketing. You know, you can start a, a conversation with just about anybody, 15 minutes, and they can finish to save 15%, right? right? <laughs> and they've used those like same seven words for like 25 <laughs> years, but but you know it, right? right? And so, you know, with, with a new therapy, do you need five interactions? Do you need 500 right. and, interactions? And, before, and I, I often ask that question. So, so I ask, okay, so how many interactions do you think you really need to change um, a, prescri- a physician's prescribing habits? I would like to say as a physician, you need a lot, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, every physician is going to be different, but I'd like to say that, you know, we're, we're, we're tough cookies to, to convince, so to speak, but I don't know. I think there's going to be variability, but I do think intuitively from a physician perspective, it's going to be more than one interaction. Um, so I, I think sometimes the, and, and I think that that one interaction mindset, I think it might work in the consumer world. If you're buying, let's say very cheap or simple products, and convincing the consumer, hey, you probably need this like dish detergent. Click on the link, great, you made the purchase. It's not quite the same thing when you're prescribing drugs that can actually alter someone else's life. So
Um, let's talk about data. Data, KPIs, ROI. You know, um, it's measurement is everything nowadays. Data is wonderful, but we all know that we have too much and we don't know what it means. Has, has there been any shifting of KPIs or ROI during this time or moving forward? Have you guys done anything? So I would say that it's, as you, you did a perfect introduction about data. So there's a lot of it, but what the hell? How do you make sense of it? Um, I think when it comes down to it, when you boil everything off, if you're talking about the marketing folks, folks at pharma companies, their core KPI is really simple, in my opinion, based on what I've heard, is prescription lists, which is at the end of the day, you spend dollars, what do those dollars do to change prescription patterns? If, 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 uh, if, if there's no list, then the marketing channel doesn't work. Now, if it were only that simple, the problem is, is that it's really, really hard to measure causation, to measure, okay, we did intervention A and then B happened, i.e. there's a prescription left. So there's this hunt, there's this persistent hunt for proxies that can predict or leading indicators that can predict when a prescription lift is actually going to happen before it happens, right? Because prescription lift very much is like a lagging indicator, right? You know, it happens after the fact. So I think this is just an ongoing challenge and there's a lot of data out there, you know, is it the amount of time that physician has been engaged on the site? Is it the amount of clicks that have happened? Is it, is it, the, is it the page depth? So many questions I think remain unanswered with that. I think, is, if anything, you know, the shift in COVID in the, in the last number of months is that there's probably just more data because there's more digital interactions now. So the difference is obviously is that when you're having, you know, reps knock on physicians' doors, there's actually not very much, most of it's analog. You're not going to get very much data back from that, right? The difference is now you have all of this data, how the, these MPI numbers, how these physicians are engaging with your content. Um, you know, so, so there, there, if anything, there's been even more data and the, the more data, the question is, how do we make sense of it? What works? What doesn't? What is the proxy? What is not? Um, so I, I don't think there's been a shift in terms of making sense of it. Um, but my disclaimer, my caveat is that I don't work for a pharma company. Maybe they know something I don't. <laughs> so so yeah. that's a good question actually yeah. for someone that works at one of these big pharma. Anything around new media, you know, video, audio, podcast, social media, anything? Yeah, good, good question. Good question. So, so our network, ultimately what the advertisers or pharma companies are providing to us is, is a URL, uh, a hyperlink, right? And all we're doing is we're directing traffic to a page based on a headline. That's what, that's what native is in its purest form. Um, and the end, so the destination sites, I've seen a mix of all sorts of things. So meaning where, when I say destination site, that's the site that the pharma company wants us to direct traffic to. We've seen videos, we've seen content, we've seen white papers, we've seen actual peer reviewed papers, um, a mix. I, 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 I like to say that, that clinical content tends to resonate the best with physicians, not necessarily the, 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 the peer reviewed long form paper, although some physicians do prefer that, um, what I find is, you know, summary of the paper really helps and then backed up with the actual paper if they're really interested in it. Um, that tends to seem, and you know what, that's never changed. <laughs> I think that physicians have always been like that. For the internet, you know, you know, sales reps used to knock on uh, physicians' doors and hand them a pamphlet that was called detailing, which included a reprint of the peer-reviewed peer uh, paper as well as kind of a summary. Uh, that, that's what it used to be like. So I think we're trying to make that happen in the digital world as much as possible. Like, that's what physicians want. <laughs> there are, okay, well, there are actually, so in the ecosystem, 
I don't think the advertisers are struggling. I do think that publishers, some publishers are struggling. I think certain scholarly publishers are, are struggling, but that's not that's not new. <laughs> that, that's not new necessarily. They've been struggling actually for quite some time. Um, and when I say scholarly publishers, I mean you know the, the, the purveyors of, of peer-reviewed content. Some of them are struggling. Some of them are not. Um, but on our end, I right now it's, it's been pretty smooth. This is actually going to be one of our, this will be our biggest year ever uh, in the company. And we're about uh, almost six years old as a company. Um, and our growth rate, um, I mean, we're going to grow, we're probably going to double our revenue, nearly double our revenue this year. So in the answer to your question, what's, what's not working? Well, a lot of things, knock on wood, a lot of things are working right now. So it's pretty good. I can't, we're not complaining. As a follow-up, how are you going to define success in 2021 and beyond? The simple, so there's, there's, there's two parts to that. So obviously we always have to keep the lights on, right? So revenue is an important driver. Revenue has to keep growing because money allows us to do everything we want to do. The question is, what do we want to do? What are we actually here for? Um, at the end of the day, what's trying to be our mission and our, and what we're, and we've always been this since the day zero when we started the company, um, is helping to serve content to physicians. Hopefully we'll continue on that journey by serving them content that they didn't know existed that might help them make a better uh, decision with the patient. Um, or on the research side, it may give them ideas to spawn on the research ideas. It could be that serendipity moment where you're like, oh, I didn't know this paper existed. It drives serendipity and it creates more research. That's what we're here to do. Um, so I don't think anything has changed uh, since, I, certainly nothing has changed since we started and that kind of is the goal going forward. I, I led with revenue because obviously we can't really do anything else if we're not making any money, we're not keeping lights on. So, um, but yeah, that, that, that would be kind of a simple answer to your question. Uh, is there a lasting trend that you're going to see come out of 2020 that in five or 10 years people are going to look back on as that was a landmark moment? Yeah. So this goes, this is actually a nice question that actually goes back to your original, um, which is that I think the lasting trend is digital is here. I think that when pharma started shifting their dollars to digital, it was slow. It was far slower than what happened in the consumer world. It was the, the slope of the line was almost flat. Um, and I think that you know, definitely this year there's been an acceleration of the curve, and I think that will just continue. Um, I think that there probably will be a place for sales reps, but that place will be much smaller. So right now, when you look at pharma marketing budgets, still, you know, pharma the reps are getting more than digital. I think that's going to inverse over the next decade um, as we get more and more granular in our uh, targeting capabilities um, and where we can reach positions. I think more and more dollars are going to uh, flow into digital channels. Again, we just all we have to do is look at the consumer world um, and kind of use that as a almost as a crystal ball for what's happening in, in the farm marketing world. You know, there's a lot of discussion on whether social media should be part of the pharmaceutical, you know, quiver, you know. Yeah. I'm guessing social media is a competitor for you. So what it is, it is, it is and it isn't. So, you know, it depends on the way you look and the way you're defining social media. In, my, in the most rigid definition, are we talking about healthcare specific social media? So that would be like Doximity. I don't have any issues with that. And, you know, Doximity is a validated platform. You know, we know who we're reaching. I think on other platforms like Facebook or Twitter, I think even if Facebook, even if uh, Facebook's allowing it or pharma companies want to do it, I don't think the physicians want to be bombarded with ads when they're on Facebook or Twitter. So, I, and I think this comes back down to context, right? So I think doximity makes sense. You're, 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 you're clearly on a doctor platform communicating with other doctors. 
trend of makes sense because you're reading other scholarly material. Why not see advertisements for other content? Um, context is king. I, I really believe that. Um, and I don't know even if even if Facebook is allowing it, even if if everything goes goes well. I think at the end of the day, uh, I don't. I, I would be skeptical that physicians actually want to be seeing seeing uh, pharma ads on that platform. Yeah, I hear you. And I used to work in digital marketing. You know, you know, and we. You know, we toyed around with it and sometimes we'd see success and sometimes we'd be like, what is that? <laughs> you know? I, I also think, you know, yeah. one thing I will add to that is that we've been using throughout this conversation kind of HCPs kind of blanketly, right? Like, and, 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 and the reality is, is that there are massive cultural differences between one specialty to the next. And when I say cultural differences, one specialty likes to read certain types of content. The other specialty does totally different things. Um, so it's, it's actually yeah. quite, it, it's really difficult to, to, to blanket. So going back to your question about social media, maybe family doctors really want to actually re be reached on, on Facebook, whereas cardiologists are saying, absolutely not, leave me alone, I don't want to see you there. So there, 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 there are going to be yeah. differences between specialties and even within specialties, like subspecialty groups. So this goes back to the targeting, understanding your audience, and how to reach your audience based on the channels they engage with. Yeah, and that's the same, you know, that's still, that's the same with, print and digital some especially still want print right and some want give it to me digital you know we always used to say er docs are 180 degrees absolutely. different from ent's <laughs> yeah um, absolutely just a final summary again looking forward to 2021 final summary ultimately I, I, when we're looking to 2021 you know a lot of people thinking that you know there's going to be a vaccine soon and you know we're going to see a return to normalcy I actually don't think that's going to happen. I think that even if there is a vaccine that does come out, uh, we're still going to see a lot of the precautions because it's going to take time for the population to get vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. Bottom line is, is that for HCP marketers, I think you're going to see a, the same trend um, as, as what's been going on in 2020, meaning more and more doctors want to be reached online, and that's the only place to reach them. Even when we do have a vaccine and things start to normalize, I don't think it's going to go back to, quote, normal. I think that uh, the reality is, is that physicians are going to get used to being reached digitally. They're going to form that preference. So I think that um, what I do think in 2021 and beyond is that we're going to continue to see uh, increased shift of, of spend uh, into digital and an increased shift of what physicians want and where they want to be reached.